Gamecock Nation. Welcome to the Cocky on Saturday podcast. I'm your host, James Beal, class of 2018, former student manager, and there's nothing I love more than talking some Gamecock football. Let's go. What's up, y'all? We're back. It is not a pretty week. It is the bye week. No game to look forward to on Saturday. It might be needed. After this weekend, I know a lot of Gamecock Nation is hurting out there. Our expectations for this season were much, much higher than where we are right now. As with after the UNC game, you guys know I'm not going to be all negative here. I'm also not going to be all positive, but there are takes on both sides. The biggest thing is we're two and three. Coming into the year, you know, I went through sort of my ceiling prediction. Ceiling had us at 10-2. and two. Well, two of those losses are Georgia and Tennessee. Coming into the year, I didn't really see a way that we could beat those two teams on the road. Obviously, Tennessee is not looking as strong as maybe we thought coming into the season. But to go into Neyland, especially after a year like last year and having all the talent that they do, that was never going to be an easy game. The one drop on our end, in my opinion, is the UNC game. And so here we are. We're at 2-3, and three, whether you like it or not. Honestly, we're only one game removed from what I would have thought to be our best start at 3-2. and two. I know social media is going nuts out there. I saw people calling for Beamer's head. I saw people even calling for Rattler to be benched. If that's you, find a new podcast. <laughs> To bench a guy who at times has been the best quarterback in college football, whether we're winning or losing, he's shown that he can go toe-to-toe with any quarterback in this league. He's not the problem by any stretch of imagination. Rattler's done everything that he can do. I think he did finally have some mistakes. He looked a little bit more human against this Tennessee team, but that's a very tough contest overall. You're on the road at night. It's a very tough environment to play at. I'm not going to buy too much into the results there, but certainly I think he is looking in the mirror this week. He knows he needs to fix parts of his game, and I have full faith in him. He is not the problem, guys. Beamer's not the problem. Hold tight. This is an overall long process. We were not going to be competing for a college football playoff spot in year three with Shane Beamer. I know everybody's looking at Beamers versus Muschamp's record right now versus Hupel since they've come in, since they started around the same time. But this is a team a year before Beamer got there, we had two wins. Obviously, I would have loved to see a nine-plus win this year. I don't think that's going to happen at this point. But doesn't mean the season is lost. Doesn't mean we can't find success down the road. We have a super young team, and that bodes well for the future. But we still need to focus on this season. There's a lot to get done. And thank God for this bye week. I think we can use it very smart to be able to propel ourselves the rest of the season here. Before we jump into our recap of this past weekend, and we'll cover this a little bit more later this week when we do our second episode here. But the scary part moving forward is the road ahead. We knew coming into the year we had the toughest schedule in the entire country that only looks tougher right now. Florida, one week ago, they were ranked. Missouri, they're 5-0, number 21 in the country. We have to go to Columbia, Missouri. Texas A&M really should be ranked. They're at 26 technically, 
so they're not officially in the top 25, but that's a very good team. Kentucky, top 20 team. And then Clemson's Clemson. We have them at home. Obviously, they've had their struggles this year, very similar to us. But that road looks very, very tough right now. Good news is Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt are still there. We'll get into that again a little bit later this week, the road to bowl eligibility. But let's take a look at this game from Saturday. I'll start with this, and it is a positive. We will certainly get into the bad, but the defense did enough to win this game. A lot of people are calling for Clayton White's head right now, our defensive coordinator. They want him gone. It's the same energy we saw last year with Satterfield. Trust me, these two guys are not the same. White is doing a heck of a better job than Satterfield. He's a great recruiter. I know 238 yards allowed on the ground was not pretty, but if you told me we have two turnovers, three times that we stopped them on a third or fourth and out, and allowed only two field goals, I'd say that's a game we can win. That's a game with the offense, thinking our offense could play the way we think they can, that we can win that one. Obviously, one of the touchdowns allowed was on our offense. The others were certainly the defense's fault. But a lot of that, too, has to go into the offense could not stay on the field. You're running out guys. While they played great in the first half, they were dead tired by the second half. You know how hard it is to put your hand in the ground after you've been on the field for 10 straight minutes and be able to go after the quarterback with the same intensity as you did in the first half? with a full (laughs) breath of fresh air. And while late in the game is frustrating seeing Milton kind of just stand back there, no pressure getting to him unless we sent a blitz, again, it just goes to the fact that our offense could not stay on the field, couldn't give the defense a breather. I think if the defense has that time to recoup themselves, they play a lot stronger. We're able to apply a lot more pressure. I know the blitz was successful. I'd love to see a little bit more of that. And our defensive line certainly needs to play better and get to the quarterback with more consistency. But you can't put all that blame on them when they're having to be trucked out there time and time again because the offense is continuing to not be able to sustain drives. I do like what we ended up doing in the secondary there. Kilgore had himself a day. I believe it was 14 tackles, an interception, just a huge performance out of the true freshman. And then we saw Eamon Mori come down into that nickel spot, really solidified it. We saw DQ Smith get exposed against Mississippi State, so they moved DQ back to that safety spot. He played himself a great game, had an interception of his own, and then Eamon Mori was able to shut down that nickel spot. Also get some closer in there for run-stopping. I know, <laughs> over 200 yards on the day still, but he's a great tackler, great at filling a hole, almost a an extra linebacker for us when he's at that nickel spot. So I do like the changes there. And that group's just going to continue to gel. First time with that rotation kind of set out there on the field. But I did like what I saw as far as the changes at that safety spot. The biggest negatives in this game is the offense. And I know this is supposed to be our strongest unit and everybody's trying to put the blame on Clayton White. But we got to look ourselves in the mirror. Offense has to look themselves in the mirror. The same problems we saw against UNC happen again this weekend. Rattler, sacked six times. It's completely unacceptable. I think there was an additional four or five quarterback hurries, if not more. Then offensive line, four key penalties to set up a third and long. On top of that, we were two for 14 on third downs. 
No team in the history of football has ever won a football game going 2 for 14 on third down. That's unacceptable right there. Some of it comes down to execution. Some of it comes down to play calling. And maybe it's young wide receivers running the wrong routes. But, I mean, I saw Xavier Leggett running a three-yard route when it was third and five. You need to get beyond the sticks and be able to complete the ball down the field. You cannot throw it behind the line of scrimmage on third down. And if you are, they need to be in stride. You cannot be hitting them behind the target and making them have to come back for the football. At that point in time, it's a losing battle against the defender. And then the pick six before half. What are we doing? I know so many people get frustrated out there on the flip side. You know, when you see a draw or just a simple screen on a third and long. But the reason you do that is you cannot turn over the ball in that position. Especially running a six-yard comeback route. I mean, pressure's in your face. Defensive line's able to pin their ears back. You'd be crazy to think that no pressure's going to get to Rattler on that down. Just run the ball. Punt, go into half, only a one-score game. I know Tennessee's getting the ball back, but do not hand them points. And some of that's on Rattler. He certainly shouldn't have thrown the ball. You could see in his face he knew that was the wrong decision there. But that's just unacceptable. I know it was only one more score, but that might as well have been 30 points right there. The game was over at that point. We all felt it. It was impossible hill to climb from that point forward. And that really did us in for the day. Our receivers also struggled all day finding space deep. They could not separate from the defenders. It made, you know, when you're having to have a quick read and guys are just glued to the defender, to the wide receiver, it's going to be a very tough day for any quarterback. No matter how talented Spencer Rattler is, it'd just be stupid to throw into some of those coverages. I think going into this bye week, again, is coming at sort of this perfect time. We see it on social media. I've seen in the comments, people are getting antsy. They want to see five-star Nick Harbour. They want to see four-star Tyshawn Russell at wide receiver. We saw glimpses of them in that Furman game. They each had a touchdown. They look great. Well, where are they now? Why are they not in the game? I think a lot of it, and people forget about this, but Nick Harbour got hurt in the preseason. If he's not hurt, I think we see more of him at this point. But you know, he was kind of set back. He needs to understand the offense more. But I think if you're a coaching staff, you do kind of look at the bye week. And when you go into there, you have to weigh, hey, are we going to redshirt these guys? Hey, are we going to get them exposure on the field? Prior to that, if they're not 100%, they can't play at 100% level. There's no reason to rush them in. You want the possibility of a redshirt available to you. Also, remember, Nick Harbour has never played wide receiver before. He's learning a new position. He's learning a new offense. Well, now you have two weeks. He has five weeks under his belt, learning. I don't know entirely sure how involved he was when he was hurt, but we know for five weeks now, at the very least, he's been healthy. Now you have two weeks to get him into the mix. Run him with the ones over this bye week. Run him with the ones moving into game week next week. I want to see him out there. Because if Juice Wells is still going to be hurt, you need a true playmaker. A guy that when there is tight coverage that you could throw it to and they're going to be able to make a play on the ball. Xavier Leggett can do that. We've seen a little bit with maybe Omega Blake. But Trey Knox, and it's no knock on him, but we haven't necessarily been throwing jump balls to him or throwing it to him in tight coverage. He does a great job of getting separation, but we need guys that we can trust 
to throw the ball to in tight coverage. Nick Harbour has the frame to win those jump balls. And then Tyshawn Russell has shown that he's an excellent route runner. He's young. He needs to understand the offense. But if he knows his role, he is going to find a way to get himself open. Now's the time to get them involved. I know Gamecock Nation's getting antsy. I'm finally calling for it. We need to see the freshman at the wide receiver spot. Finally on the offense, the offensive line and the running back. We'll start right with Mario Anderson. He is a stud. He's a true bell cow back. Due to circumstances in this game, he only had 10 carries. Sure, if you take away that 75-yard run, looks completely different. But you could play that game a lot. That's not something I'm going to do. He had, a, he had that 75-yard run, ended up with over 100 yards on the day. That's a huge success. Feed him more. He's shown that he has the ability to do that. We saw it in Mississippi State. There was a couple times he slipped up. If he didn't slip, you know, he's gone. So we need to feed him more. That is a huge success and can, should be a huge factor of our offense moving forward. And on the offensive line, I, I know the broadcast I was watching on TV. I was not there in Knoxville was killing Babalade. We're looking at the matchup time and time again. They were able to pin their ears back and go after the quarterback. A lot of that, if you're a defensive lineman, you don't have to worry about the run. It's a whole lot easier to rush the quarterback. It's due in part to that young offensive line that we were in some of those third and longs. Those penalties are inexcusable. But do remember, Tree Babalade, Trovan Ball are true freshmen. They're only going to improve. I also did like that our five on the offensive line unit played every snap together. It's what we talked about in the preseason. Lonnie Teasley, our offensive line coach, said time and time again, an offensive line needs to gel together. They need that time to play together. I like that we're sort of at that point now. Now you have two weeks for those guys to prepare as a unit, build some confidence, and I like the potential of the future. Six sacks is inexcusable, cannot happen. But we did see against Mississippi State that they played a lot stronger. Well, you know what? If you're not in third and long, if you're not playing from behind and the defense doesn't know you are 100% passing the ball, it makes it easier on that offensive line unit. What that tells me is we just cannot get into a hole. We have to be able to run the ball. We have to be able to keep the defense honest. And our offensive line is not great. It's not going to be great this year, but are there are ways you can sort of patch that. Yet to keep the defense thinking both run and pass at all times. We have to stay ahead of the sticks. We have to get to third and short. We do that, this offensive line can hold up. Tree Babalade showed that he can post a good PFF pass protection score. But a weekend, like this past weekend, when they're just pinning their ears back and you're facing NFL elite pass rushers, he's not quite there. He's a true freshman. By the time he's a junior or senior, sure, he'd go toe-to-toe with those guys. I have full faith in it. But right now, that's just not him. We need to provide help. We also probably need to get a running back tight end in the mix to be able to chip that defense event. I think the coaching staff is going to look at the film, notice some of those things, and make adjustments. They're going to try and make life easier on the offensive line unit. You know, it's a give and take a little bit here. I like that those guys are gelling together but they didn't look good on Saturday. So we need to see improvement. I like that we have our five, but they need, they need to get better if we want a chance of not just getting bowl eligible, but potentially getting closer seven, eight wins. The bowl game is still fully in sight still, guys. 
a lot of people are writing us off saying, hey, we might not even get bowl eligible. We have two wins. We still have Jacksonville State. We have Vanderbilt. Conceivably, that's going to be two wins. We have Florida at home. That's a very winnable football game. You get those three, we're at five. And we need to pick up one, just one to get bowl eligible against Mizzou and then Kentucky and Clemson at home. Not an easy task, but we saw last year. I mean, this team was pretty much down the dumps. We couldn't do anything against Florida. You know what? We came out and beat two teams that were headed for the college football playoff. If there's one thing I've learned in the past, it do not give up faith in this coaching staff. They will figure something out. I don't know entirely what it is. We could point to all the issues and just say, hey, let's get better on the offensive line. Hey, let's stop the run better. There's ways to hedge those things, and there's ways to capitalize. And a part of it could just be, hey, let's air the ball out more. Let's get more playmakers on the field and let Spencer go toe-to-toe with any offense we're facing. We haven't really done that yet. We've been almost playing too conservative. We'll dive more into that on Thursday, what my thoughts are as far as what we need to change moving forward in this season. But the bowl game is certainly still in sight. The season is only a failure if we do not make a bowl game. We have the toughest schedule in the country. To go 6-6, six and six, coming off of last season against the toughest schedule in the country, I, I'll take it. Sure, I want to be better than that, but you have to put it into perspective. That's still a win. I appreciate you guys tuning in, though. I'm hurting. I know you guys are hurting. If you have thoughts, comments, hit me up on social media. Happy to talk it through, have an open dialogue. We'll be back again later this week on Thursday. Sort of look forward to the rest of the season, kind of talk about what needs to happen, what we expect the coaching staff to do, and outline those games a little bit further in detail. It's bye week. We don't have Saturday to look forward to. That's probably good for my heart, for my health. (laughs) I probably need a break. But in two weeks, we're back against Florida at home. State Fair is in town. The game's going to be packed. Looking forward to it. Just got announced as a 3.30 kick. And again, I appreciate you guys being here. Until next time, go Cox.